Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome Dr. Tom Schreiner to the podcast. Dr. Schreiner serves as the James Buchanan Harrison Professor of New Testament Interpretation and Professor of Biblical Theology, as well as Associate Dean of the School of Theology at Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. He's the author of numerous books, but has recently had his commentary on Hebrews re-released this year in the Evangelical Biblical Theology Commentary Series. Dr. Schreiner, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. Uh, Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Allen. It's a delight to be with you. Yeah, and as we were just reflecting before the recording, uh, we were going to do this in person a couple weeks ago when you were to be here in chapel, and uh, boy, this winter storm upended all of that. We had to close the campus for a couple days and uh, move classes to Zoom, and so we couldn't have you in chapel, nor could we be in the studio together in person. But uh, you got to visit with your son, Patrick, and son-in-law, Hannah, and their grandchildren, and um, the, 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 the trip was fruitful for you in a personal, though uh, not, not as much in an institutional way. But uh, we're glad to have this conversation with you now and look forward to having you back in person, Lord willing, in the fall. Yeah, it, it was a delight to be there and to, to meet with you and uh, Mrs. Allen. And yeah, we wish we could have done more, but uh, we had a very interesting uh, drive home as well. It was pretty snowy and icy in places, but we made it by God's grace. <laughs> you made it. You made it. Well, listen, we're here today to talk about mm-hmm. preaching Hebrews. And uh, you released a commentary on Hebrews, I believe, originally in 2015. It's been re released here recently. Uh, in the EBTC series, and so I want to talk about preaching Hebrews today. And one of the uh, the categories of my podcast is over the past several years have been doing conversations with different authors of commentaries on every book of the Bible, and so building up an inventory for for those who will one day be preaching on Hebrews or First Timothy or Ezekiel or whatever to have some podcast devoted to each book of the Bible, and uh, we're doing that today with preaching Hebrews. Now, I will make a confession on the front end. Uh, I have never preached through Hebrews. I have preached from Hebrews, but I've never preached through Hebrews. That's not the confession, though. Uh, the, conf- the confession is, during my years of full-time pastoral ministry, when I was preaching through books in the Bible, uh, I was a little intimidated by the book of Hebrews. And as an MDiv student, and uh, then early in my PhD program, I, I just I, I wanted to preach Hebrews, and I contemplated preaching Hebrews, but I was a little intimidated by preaching Hebrews. Now, now I'll look back and say, well, good grief, I should have just hopped in there and, and, and did it. But, uh, but that's my confession on the front, and I make it not merely because confession is good for the soul. I make it because I bet there are some listeners to this podcast who similarly are a little intimidated by the book of Hebrews, and I'm hopeful that by the end of this conversation, uh, we're going to nudge some of them over the line, and they're going to resolve to actually preach the book of Hebrews. So I, I guess on the front end, why, in your opinion or your experience, do some folks find Hebrews a bit intimidating? Dr. Allen, I, I, I think that story is fast. I, I think the exception, the, the, a, a very rare exception, actually, where people say, well, yeah, I, I, I just can't wait to preach on Hebrews. And I think the reason for it is the the readers were tempted, I think, to relapse to to Judaism, to offering Old Testament sacrifices, and they were uh, all excited about the uh, Old Testament priesthood. But it doesn't take long for us to figure out 
there's nobody we've ever met who's tempted to do that. Right. So, so, so we have to translate what he was saying to the first readers to our world. And that's not, that's, uh, I, I think, I think it is, we can do so. And I'm not saying it's uh a great leap of difficulty, but it isn't, it doesn't look easy on, on first glance. It seems like this, this doesn't connect that clearly. We, we think. Well, I remember too, and, and this podcast is not about me. It's about the book of Hebrews, but, 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 but to button up the previous anecdote, I, I, I remember wrestling with it. And actually looking back again, it, it's almost comical to me. I elected not to preach Hebrews, but to preach through revelation. And on Sunday nights for like, I don't know, eight months, I preached the book of revelation. And Moved pretty quickly from chapter six to nineteen, but was pretty deliberate uh, around those. And uh, looking back, I'm like, okay, Hebrews was a bit more than I wanted to bite off, but but I'll, I'll do Revelation instead. And <laughs> there is some humor <laughs> in that assessment. That's great. Yeah, that's fantastic. So I guess for you, then, as you think about the book of Hebrews and the commentary that that you've written on it, and uh, you've written a number of New Testament commentaries, have preached through numerous New Testament books. I- I'm curious. From, from the scholar-slash-churchman side of things, and I'll put you, you know, uh, uh, under that mantle, how do you view the book of Hebrews as to its preachability, how inviting it should be uh, for our listeners to actually undertake? Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually very excited about uh, the book of Hebrews in terms of preaching. And the first thing I always say when this conversation comes up Remember Hebrews chapter 13, verse 22, that he says, I've written you briefly a word of exhortation, logos paraklesos, for those who know Greek. That means I've written you a sermon. If you look at Acts chapter 13, verse 15, Paul, very same words in Greek, is invited in the synagogue in Pisidian Antioch to give a word of exhortation, a logos paraklesos, a sermon to those who are present. So for every uh, preacher who aspires to preach the book, we, we ought to view the book of Hebrews as uh, it's more than this, but it's not less than, I think it's fundamentally a sermon. So the, ne- the next thing I say is, and I think the sermon has one point, and, and it's easy to miss because it's 13 chapters and it's long and it's involved and it's brilliant. But what's the one point of the sermon? I think the one point of the sermon is don't fall away from Jesus. Don't, don't to keep enduring, keep trusting him to the end. And I think that just helps us as we're going through the book to say this book is not, if you understand what I mean, not fundamentally theological. It is theological, but it's fundamentally practical. He, he wrote it for a practical reason. This is not just a theological essay. He's writing to the readers and saying, hang on, life is tough. Hang in there. Hang in there to the end. So you, you've mentioned, or at least alluded to, these warning passages in particular that show up throughout the book, the, these, these cautions, these exhortations to remain faithful, to not fall away. Help us to understand these, these recurring warning passages uh, how do those like stitch together the story of the book as a whole? Yeah, I, I think this is just so crucial. So when we, when we think of Hebrews and we think of the structure of the book, there are five warning passages. Um, now, now, people may divide them a little bit differently, but here it goes. I mean, it's close enough. Hebrews 2, 1 through 4 is the first one. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 through chapter 4, verse 13 is the second one. 
Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, through, say, that's chapter 6, verse 12, is the third one. The fourth one is Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 39. The fifth one is Hebrews 12, verses 25 through 29. So what I want to say is, wow, that all those warning passages, all those warning passages are making the same point. Jesus, they're, they're, it's like I always say to my students, it's like shaking the kaleidoscope. You know, you shake a kaleidoscope, you get a different picture, but it's the same kaleidoscope. So I think this is really helpful in interpreting Hebrews. The warning passages mutually interpret one another. So we, we read them all together. I think it's easy for us to think, oh, there's these five different passages. But remember, it's a sermon, and the sermon has one point. So these warning passages, like any good preacher, it's a long sermon, right? I mean, it, maybe it takes an hour to read it, not not that long in some ways, but uh, to read it out loud, that is. But he keeps returning to his main point. And so that's what the warning passages are, are doing. They're, they're returning to that main point, and and all the warning passages, the warning passages are warnings. And they're saying, right, I've, I've stood over the edge, you probably have too, Dr. Allen, the edge of the Grand Canyon. And, uh, you know, I could think that'd be interesting to jump. But a little warning bell goes off in our heads, right? And the warning is, if I jump, I will kill myself. <laughs> and that, that's what Hebrews is basically saying. Don't jump. Don't jump away from Jesus. Uh, keep 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 trusting in him so so they punctuate it, it's a, it's almost like he's you know he's giving them the good theology and then he and then he stops and says remember what this good theology is for all the theology of the book all the uh, great theology in the book is intended for the pragmatic purpose of the warnings and the warning passages themselves uh you know, we're, we're, we're believers, we're, 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 we meaning you and I, we're committed to a high view of God, a high view of God's work in salvation, uh, the security of the believer. How do you harmonize the warning passes, passages with our firm understanding of the sovereignty of God in salvation and the security of the believer? And, and I don't mean that harmonizing it theologically, though that's obviously important. I mean harmonizing it pastorally. And by that, I mean this, like when I read the warning passages, I, Jason Allen, in my Bible reading, I actually want to be scared to death by them. I don't want to follow them and say, well, yeah, I'm saved, and theologically, I'm, I'm good to go. I want to be square, scared to death by them. I want to, be, I want to be pastorally challenged by them such that I redouble the guarding of my own heart. Uh, I, I re, re, redouble the, the, uh, the, the careful review of my own life. How, how should we and our listeners think of those warning passages along those lines? Yeah, I, and and what I'm about to say, by the way, is exactly how uh, the great preacher, and you have that wonderful Spurgeon Center there, the great preacher Charles uh, Spurgeon understood the warning passages the same way uh, I'm explaining here. So um, the, the warning passages, since uh, we don't believe, Dr. Allen, and I think rightly, we don't believe any true Christian can uh, lose their salvation, God keeps. God keeps all his children to the end. So why do we, you know, you might say, well, why do we need a warning passage? And I, I think the answer is the warning passages are the means God uses to keep us on the right road. Mm. So God, God preserves his children. 
he he keeps us, but he keeps us through through means, as uh, as Spurgeon said, through the terrors of the law. And Spurgeon uses a very beautiful, homely illustration, and uh, and he he does this so well. He says, you know, if I if I uh, have a cup beside me, and that cup contains uh, poison, and I tell you this is poison, don't drink it. He said, "You're not going to drink it. You're you're, you're going to fear, and 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 you mentioned fear, and I think there is a fear. You're going to fear drinking it. And I, but I always like to say that this is not this is not a paralyzing fear, right? There's different kinds of fear. You know, you, we we don't want our hearers to be paralyzed by fear. That kind of fear is no good, right? If right. you're in a crisis and you're par- paralyzed, that's that's not the kind of fear we're talking about. But it's the kind of fear." It keeps you from doing something that's disastrous. I, 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 another illustration I use, it's the, it's the kind of fear we use when we're driving. I'm not paralyzed by fear when I'm driving, but I'm, but, but there is a kind of, I'm, I'm paying attention, right? <laughs> I'm, I, I'm alert when I'm driving because uh, if you're not alert, uh, danger lurks uh, around every corner. So uh, the writer is saying, remember, life and death are at stake here. Another way, I think, of summarizing the warnings, Jesus said, if you deny me, I'll deny you. We don't we don't want Jesus to to deny us on the last day. And and Jesus's words are the means by which we say, oh, Lord, I I don't want to deny you. And here I'll go back to Spurgeon. Spurgeon says, what do we what do we uh, what do we how do we respond to these warnings? And we we respond by saying, Father, help me. Father, keep me. Father, hold me up. Preserve me from uh, forsaking you. And I, I think that's how the warnings uh, work in our lives in a, in, in, a, in a pastoral way. So they don't paralyze us with fear. but They do remind us our decisions in life matter. Life is life is serious. Uh, and uh, important, and and God keeps. God, as I said, I think God keeps all His children. I don't think He loses one. I think He keeps them all through these warnings. Mm. And the warnings are part of that equation, part of God's work to uh, not to paralyze us, but but to motivate us on to faithfulness. So, yeah, help us to to uh, help us to be on the lookout for problematic passages within Hebrews. To be on the lookout for maybe common mistakes you see preachers make, and uh, if something or, or, or two or three come to mind, it would be helpful for you to give us advance warning. Look out for this passage. Don't make this mistake. Well, I would I would say, I think the, it's not so much an exegetical mistake, but I think a mistake some preachers can make is when they get in the seven, eight, nine, and ten. I think, which are very rich theology, I think you, we have to be careful that it doesn't become so theoretical and long that, that, the, that our hearers don't get lost in 7, 8, 9, and 10. So what, what I like to say is I think with Hebrews, you know, we mentioned that it can be difficult for preachers. Well, it can be difficult for hearers, too. So I like to say when we come to chapters 7, 8, 9, and 10, remember to always hold up that big picture before those uh, listening. And, and so, the, you know, that's the most 
the most extended theological part of the letter is from 7.1 through 10.18. So I like to say it this way. What is chapter 7 about? Jesus, uh, well, by the way, let me just say before I say this, one of, one of Hebrews' favorite words is better, right? Mm. Jesus is better. The new covenant is better. So chapter, chapter 7, Jesus is the better priest. You know, that, that's that long chapter on Melchizedek. He's the better priest. He's the Melchizedekian priest. Chapter 8, Jesus introduces a better covenant, a new covenant. And then chapters 9 and 10, Jesus introduces a better sacrifice, the definitive, final, permanent sacrifice. And I think if we keep, if we keep those things before our, our hearers, and maybe you'll do quite a few sermons on on those passages, and I think that's fine. But remember, don't don't forget to keep that big picture uh, in the mind of your hearers, so they don't sort of say, "Where where are we going in these uh, in these very deep and profound chapters?" Because you know we get we have these fascinating discussions on who's Melchizedek and uh, is he is he a pre-incarnate Jesus and so forth and so on, which are all interesting questions, but I think you could kind of lose your congregation and where you're going in the midst of all these discussions. Mm. So I guess flipping the question, coming at it a, a different way, when you think of the book of Hebrews and, and you know, in its totality, um, what passages are particularly preachable. I mean, what, what passages, as you've worked through the book, you say, whatever you do, don't minimize this text. Don't overlook the importance of these verses. Well, of course, I'd say the warning passages, because I think they're the major point of the book. But then it's kind of hard to choose. But I would say, well, chapters one and two, chapters one and two are so glorious on who Jesus is. I mean, it's a, a little bit overly simplistic, but it's generally true. Chapter 1 on the divinity of Jesus, chapter 2 on the humanity. I mean, what a great pastoral encouragement there is in chapter 2, for example, that Jesus Jesus took on flesh and blood. He's, he's our brother, the author says, and he picks this up in chapter 4 as well. He, he suffered... Uh, the whole the whole realm of temptation he knows he knows what it's like to be human i i always think of when i talk about hebrews i think of the book of job because when job's suffering he says something like that do you do, do you know what it feels like to be a human being do you know what it feels like to to go through the pain we do well uh i mean job couldn't know the answer to that question but but the second person of the Trinity does, right? He's assumed humanity. So that, that, is, that passage is so encouraging and strengthening uh, when, when we suffer and go through hard times. We know, that, we know that Jesus encountered all the suffering and all the pain and the, and the whole range of temptation that we, that we faced. And another, another uh, here, here's another text or, or kind of theme that I think is uh, so encouraging. I think the Hebrews, so I, I mean, I asked myself the question, why is it, why is it that they were tempted to go back to the old covenant and the sacrifices? And Barnabas Linder says in his little book on Hebrews, he says, 
maybe they were tempted to go back because, you know, all these sacrifices were repeated over and over again, and they felt, hey, our sins are really forgiven. And and so I think I think it's true. The readers were struggling with guilt, and they and they weren't really convinced that their sins are forgiven. So Hebrews is is fantastic for reminding us that our sins are completely wiped away. And so we see, right, in chapter 10, we have boldness. We have boldness to enter into the most holy place, into God's very presence through the blood of Jesus. Therefore, he emphasizes Jesus's once-for-all perfect definitive sacrifice. That's not just theology. It is theology. But what it's meant to say, there is no no reason for carrying a load of guilt. We we are all great sinners, but uh, Jesus is a great Savior, and uh, he has cleansed us of our sins. And, you know, that's how the book begins, right? Chapter 1, verse 3. After making cleansing of sins, Jesus sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And I think that's chapter 1, verse 3. I think in a way that's the whole book. Now stay true to him. But he's made cleansing of sins. He sat down. It's finished, right? He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Rejoice in that. Rejoice in your forgiveness of sins. Come boldly into his presence. You don't need these other sacrifices. You don't, you don't need anything else but Jesus. Well, Dr. Schreiner, we'll leave it at that. You don't need anything else but Jesus. And boy, is that true. The book of Hebrews, what a majestic book. I'll tell you, this conversation has already prompted me to think, I'm going to reread the book of Hebrews this week. I'll be on a plane the next couple of days. And uh, I just want to read through the book from start to finish and be uh, enriched by, by what is before me. Dr. Schreiner, thank you for joining me today on Preaching and Preachers. No, Dr. Allen, it's been a delight. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.